What is happening, people of the interwebs? Welcome to episode number 18 of the Irreverent Babble Podcast. And this is Cody Kelly. And unfortunately, Neil Huntley is not here with me today as he is currently at his house recording other segments of this podcast. Yes, you heard me right. I am currently in the same room that we do our podcasting in, but Neil is not with me because I am currently sick. If you can't already tell by my voice, I am currently sick. I have been since this past weekend, and unfortunately, that has prevented me and Neil from allowing us to do the podcast together in the same room because obviously we don't want to take any chances with that. But nonetheless, this should be a pretty exciting episode. I'm doing the intro portion of the show right now, and here in just a minute, Neil's going to give you guys the double play Devo portion of the show. And as for the sports portion of the show, I will have a segment where I will be talking about my news in the sports world, and then Neil will be giving his part of this of the show doing sports and then at the very end Neil will close it out and hopefully by then we will have a halfway decent episode to give you guys. As for me this week I actually got accepted by two colleges that I recently applied for so that's what's new with me this week. I hope that Neil, you and Amber and Graham are are continuing to stay safe and not being around me at least for the next few days because I'm currently sick. You know like it isn't the coronavirus or anything, so for those of you listening, don't worry. I don't have that. It's just a little cold, so hopefully after a few days, I'll be able to get over that. But without further ado, let's get on to the double play Devo. Hey, everybody. It's Neil Huntley. Hope you all are having a great week. Um, just kind of going off what Cody said, we are recording in separate rooms today and separate houses for that matter, and separate towns too. He's in Marshville and I'm back at my house at Wingate. And uh, as Cody's getting to feeling better, we just want to be cautious and, you know, do it this way this week. So if it throws you off or it's a little inconvenience with the quality and things like that, um, you'll be okay. We'll get back to it next week. But welcome to the Double Play Devo portion of the of the show. We'll get to the weekly score in just a little bit where I kind of say some stuff and Cody does too back and forth the best we can with our circumstances that we have and with the technology that we have. We'll do our best. Um, but I just want to ask you all a question uh, and think about it for a little bit. Think about it just for a few seconds. How do you use your social media platforms? When I say that, I mean Facebook. Twitter, Instagram. Some of you might have a YouTube channel. <laughs> TikTok, as crazy as TikTok can be, right? There's several different platforms for us to access and for us to voice our opinions on in this time that we live in. Like I said, some of you had YouTube channels where you can vlog or you can record yourself playing a video game or you can just post a funny video of you doing something funny to your friend. I don't know, but you know, there's so many ways for us to connect to, to each other virtually now where we can send text back and forth. We can live stream on just about any um, social media app nowadays. But how do you use it? Think about that for just a second. I use mine to read about sports, to 
read people's opinions about sports and sometimes their opinions are terrible and sometimes my opinions about sports are just as bad if not worse um, because you know sometimes Twitter gives everybody an opportunity to be a analyst on ESPN when we think we just know everything but we really don't and you know honestly people couldn't care less about our sports takes we just like to put them out there and see if somebody else likes them but I use it for that I use it to connect with friends from the past from past chapters of my life from high school from you know working at Caswell to friends in college as well um I've also in recent years made more of an effort to use that platform to proclaim the the good news and tell others about Jesus in that and in that way as well are you telling others about Jesus on your social media now when I say that I don't mean that you just randomly DM some random person and say, Hey, can I talk to you about Jesus? That that would be cool. You know, that's that's a very interesting way to do it. But the stuff that you post, the articles that you share, the music videos that you may share, the opinions that you have on sports <laughs> and things like that, does that reflect what you claim to be as a follower of Christ? If you are claiming to be a follower of Christ. Does your post, your comments, your shares, your retweets, your live streams, do they glorify God? Do you even mention God online? Or is that is that your completely different sense of reality, of uh, virtual reality, where it's all about you and God has nothing to do with it? You know, there's a lot of bad stuff online. And, you know, a lot of stuff's getting shared around about stuff on Netflix here and there and you know, about the upcoming election and people's very polarizing opinions on the world of sports today. There's a lot of negative comments out there. And people are using that platform to let their voice be heard. Why not let us use that platform for us to let God's voice be heard? For us to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, it says in Mark chapter 16, and he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. I've said it on this podcast before, and I've told a lot of people that I know. I've never been outside of this time zone. I've been to a few different states. I've been to different places for vacation. I even went to the Bahamas on a cruise. (laughs) I was still in the eastern time zone. I've been in a very, very, very small, small portion of this world in my 26 years, going on 27 years of life. But although I have not physically been to different time zones or different countries of this world, logging on to my iPad, logging on to any kind of application on my phone using the internet, that connects me virtually to almost anywhere in the world tell almost anyone in the world if we share that connection. That's a perfect place to tell others about Jesus. Jesus didn't come and die for just a handful of people and just for that handful of people to know about it and not tell anybody else. Jesus came for everybody. Jesus died for everybody on that cross and rose again on that cross for everybody's sin to be wiped away clean. Now, there's some people that know about Jesus and will unfortunately refuse to believe it until it's too late. And there's some people in this world 
that have, may have never heard of the name Jesus Christ before. You know, just like he commanded, go out into all the world, go to the ends of the earth. Being on the internet almost gets you to the end of the earth, okay? There's still some remote villages out there that have, you know, no internet connections or anything like that. It also says in Matthew, in the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Be online and let your light shine. Yeah, I like to have fun with my friends and talk smack about our sports teams, but I, I, I also like to talk about my faith in Christ on there. And if I lose a follower or a friend because of it, so be it. You know, there for a while when I was younger, I was like, I got to have this mo- the most likes, the most followers, the most friends that I can get. And let's, let's not say anything wrong to lose those connections. No. Proclaim the name of Jesus Christ on your social media accounts. And like I said, you don't have to go out and directly DM people about, about that. It's not like going knocking door to door like that. But what you post what you share, how you comment, that should reflect Christ in those comments. Um, a guy at our church, he said he recently got on Facebook and he has decided that if he cannot respond in a biblical way or in a Christ-like way, he just isn't going to respond at all. And I, I think that's very honorable. I, I, I take that into account now when I um, feel the need to comment on something or share something or text it to somebody. Am I doing this in a good way? Am I doing this in a Christ-like way? Use your social media platform to proclaim the good news. That's all I got for today, y'all. Let's get on to some sports. All right, y'all. Guess what? It's sports time. Had football this weekend. Football, football. Yeah, football. Time to update y'all on the week that was in the world of sports with football, this is the Weekly Score. But before I get to my sports stories, I'm going to throw it back over into Marshall for Cody to give us his sports stories. Cody, what you got, man? All right, everybody. Welcome to the portion of the show where we talk about sports. And this is the portion that I will be talking about, and and guys, guess what? I'm talking about baseball this time. I know last episode kind of surprised everybody that I didn't talk about baseball last week, and that was because I was waiting on news on a very important subject, the MLB playoff bubble. Yes, the MLB has officially come out and said that for the playoffs this year, there will be... There will be bubbles that are going to be enforced in the playoffs this year. Now, for now for the first series of the playoffs, the wild card series, all the teams that are going to be involved in the wild card series. So the one, you know, one versus eight series, two versus seven, three versus six, and four versus five. You know, because of the new expanded playoffs that the MLB enforced this year. Those will be played at the higher seeds home field. And that will be a best of three series. Now for the next round of the playoffs, the divisional series, both of the 
National League Division Series, so teams like the Braves and the Padres and the Dodgers, they will be playing at Globe Life Field in Arlington, which is the home of the Texas Rangers, and Minute Maid Park in Houston, which is home of the Houston Astros. And then for the American League Division Series, it will be in Petco Park in San Diego, which is the home of the Padres, and Dodger Stadium, which is obviously the home of the Dodgers. I think this is a really smart move by the MLB to enforce a playoff a playoff bubble because because well because well obviously it keeps the players safe for one but two it but two it really gives it a neutral site feel because all the national league teams will be playing in American League ballparks for their divisional round and championship round and for American League teams, they will be playing in National League ballparks for their division series and championship series. And if you're wondering, the National League Championship Series will be in Globe Life Field. The American League Championship Series will be in Globe Life Park and then the or Globe Life Field. And then the World Series will be held in Globe Life Field, the brand new stadium home of the Texas Rangers. They had their first season in there this year. And since the Rangers obviously aren't going to make the playoffs, just like my Boston Red Sox aren't going to make the playoffs. I just thought I would go ahead and get the Red Sox insult out of the way so that Neil doesn't do it. <laughs> but anyway, that's really the big news for the MOB that came out a few days ago is that there will be a playoff bubble this year and all the teams that make the playoffs will be either playing in their home stadiums or their higher seats for the wild card round. And then from that point on, there will only be, be four stadiums used for the playoffs from that point on. And I think that's a really smart idea because if you look at the NBA and how they've been able to have success in their playoff games with the bubble, it's gone extremely well. And that is one thing that I will commend the NBA for is for having a very successful playoff strategy. And it has definitely worked out. Uh, I will also give credit to the NHL for doing the same thing with a playoff bubble because both of them have been able to get in all their playoff games without much issues. So good for them and good on Major League Baseball for doing that. At least you've done one thing right in 2020. So that's a good thing. In other news, the NBA playoffs are just about to reach the conference finals. As of this recording, it'll be the Miami Heat versus the Boston Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, game 1 of the series will begin tonight at 6.30 as of this recording. And then Game 2 will be on Thursday. And as for the Western Conference Finals, the first game of that series will obviously be about to begin by the time this podcast comes out. Because it has come to a Game 7 versus the Los Angeles Clippers and the Denver Nuggets to see who will be playing LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and the Los Angeles Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. Me, personally, I say the Clippers win Game 7, but you never know. The Denver Nuggets might pull off an upset tonight. I say tonight because this is on Tuesday at 9 o'clock. I will... I will... Obviously, be watching that game or at least watching the highlights tomorrow morning because I'm looking forward to seeing how that series turns out. It would be pretty cool if the Denver Nuggets were to were to 
upset the Los Angeles Clippers. That would make for a pretty interesting finals, but I would also be okay with seeing a LA versus LA Western Conference finals to see who will be going to the NBA finals. But anyway, I've been really enjoying the NBA playoffs so far. We've had a lot of fun playoff series to watch, and I'm looking forward to seeing who will make it to the finals. And kind of like me and Neil talked about in the last episode, seeing a Seeing the Celtics versus Lakers finals would just kind of bring back the old classic feels of the two best teams in the NBA from each conference. So that would be a pretty cool finals. But either way, I'm looking forward to seeing how that will turn out. I'm looking forward to that. And obviously, by the time next week's episode comes out, those series should be pretty close to wrapping up. And then, we'll, and then after that, we will be talking about the NBA finals after that. So look forward to that. Also, to finish off my portion of the sports podcast, I will be giving my week two predictions for the NFL season. Now, in week one, Neil unfortunately beat me because he got a 12 and 4 record through the 16 games. I went 11 and 5, so I did lose by one game last week, but hopefully, I'll be able to give myself some. Redemption with some week two games. So let's begin with the Thursday night game this week. The Bengals versus the Browns. Obviously, this is not a highly anticipated matchup because both teams really aren't that great. But I will probably give an unpopular opinion. And I'm going to say that the Cincinnati Bengals, yes, those Cincinnati Bengals, the ones who... Won one game last year and drafted Joe Burrow. Yes, those Cincinnati Bengals, I'm going to say that they will beat the Cleveland Browns in week two and take home their first win of the season instead of having to wait till practically the end of the season to get it like they had to last year. The reason why I'm going with this is because I believe that they had a really hard-fought game against the Chargers in week one. They... They actually just about came away with the win in that one, but they unfortunately lost that one. If you're a Bengals fan, which you probably aren't because they're bad. But anyway, well, okay, well, I say they're bad, and I'm a Boston Red Sox fan, and they're bad. But anyway, this is football. This isn't baseball. Anyway, but, you know, but anyway, getting back to the point, I say the Cincinnati Bengals are going to take week two versus the Browns. I say the Browns get had such a tough loss against Baltimore last week that they're going to be beat down, especially playing only four days later on a Thursday night game. I say that the Bengals are going to come out and win week two. Next game, the Giants versus the Bears. Now, the Bears had an amazing, I mean amazing fourth quarter comeback last week against the Detroit Lions. I saw that comeback. It was amazing. I was so happy for Mitchell Trubisky and the Bears team as a whole, that they were able to pull out that victory against the Lions. I, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I did not see that game being as tight as it was or as dramatic of a finish as it was. But either way, I'm happy the Bears won, and I will pick them again to win in Week 2 versus the Giants because, like I said in Week 1, it's the Giants. You should pick the other team. <laughs> and then... Rams versus Eagles. This was honestly one of the more difficult choices I had to predict this week. And I picked the Eagles to win last week against the Washington football team. I was wrong because the Washington football team was apparently good, or at least good against the Eagles. But 
I will pick the Eagles over the Rams in this game. And if you listen to last week's podcast, you know that I chose the Cowboys to beat the Rams. And the only reason that Neil chose the Rams is because he wanted to be funny and have a different pick than me. And he actually won. And that's the only reason why he is one game above me in our predictions this year. So, Neil, good job for picking the team that you really didn't want to pick, but you ended up having the right pick anyway. But anyway, Rams versus Eagles this week. I'm going with the Eagles to win against the Rams in week two. Falcons versus Cowboys. I'm going with the Atlanta Falcons to go to Dallas and beat the Cowboys. The Cowboys lost to the Rams last week, and the Falcons are just as good, if not better, than the Rams. So I see the Falcons making a little bit of a comeback from a loss in week one to the Seattle Seahawks and beating the Cowboys in week two. All right, now... The most anticipated matchup of week two, at least for at least for people in in Union County and in the surrounding area. Carolina Panthers versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I am going to say, and this is probably not going to shock anyone, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I say, are going to take the victory in week two against the Carolina Panthers. I thought the Panthers had a shot to win their game last week against the Raiders. They unfortunately were not able to come through. It was a really good game to watch, but they unfortunately were not able to come away with the victory. And I say playing against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, even though they lost to the Saints last week, I say that Tom Brady gets his first win as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer against the Carolina Panthers next week. All right, the next game, San Francisco 49ers and the New York Jets. I'm going with the 49ers. The 49ers are just a better team, even though they did lose to the Cardinals in week one, which me and Neil both predicted would happen, and it did. So we, so I'm very happy about that, and I'm sure Neil is too. And I'm picking the 49ers to beat the Jets in New York next week. All right, the Denver Broncos versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. I say the Pittsburgh Steelers will beat the Denver Broncos because, one, they're playing at home. I understand there's not much of a fan environment there, but the Pittsburgh Steelers can beat the Denver Broncos, and so I say that Pittsburgh takes away the victory there. Next, the Jacksonville Jaguars versus the Tennessee Titans. I'm going with the Tennessee Titans. I picked them to beat the Broncos on Monday Night Football, and Neil picked the Broncos, and I won that matchup. That's the only matchup that we had differing opinions on that I actually won last week. So I'm happy that I was able to come away with one victory last week over Neil. But I say the Titans are going to keep on rolling and they are going to beat Gardner Minshew and the Jacksonville Jaguars in week two. All right, next, the Detroit Lions and the Green Bay Packers. I say the Green Bay Packers are going to come away with a victory in that game. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers as a whole are just a really tough team to beat. And they... And they played pretty well against the Vikings last week, even though their defense was a little bit shaky, giving up like 34 points to the Vikings in last week's game. So that was maybe a little bit of a, you know, of a, you know, that was maybe a little bit of a oh, oh no moment for Packer fans. But with playing the Lions next week, I say Green Bay is going to take away the victory and be 2-0 and after week two. Next, the Buffalo Bills versus the Miami Dolphins. I said the Buffalo Bills are going to pull off the victory in that game. Next, the Minnesota Vikings and the Colts. I say the Vikings are going to take week two. Now, I know I picked the Vikings last week, and I know that they lost to Green Bay. 
But the Colts are not the Packers, so I say that the Vikings are going to take Week 2 and have their first victory of the season against the Indianapolis Colts. Next, the Washington football team versus the Arizona Cardinals. I say that the Arizona Cardinals trend continues. I picked them to win last week. I know Washington played really well against Philadelphia. They were able to put a ton of pressure on Carson Wentz and the Eagles last week. But I say that Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, and company will find a way to have a victory over the Washington football team. I also say this because they are playing at home. And I just say that Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins are going to find another way to upset another team that I'm sure a few people are predicting is going to beat them. Next, the Baltimore Ravens versus the Houston Texans. I say that Baltimore is going to take this game. I know the Houston Texans are a very good team, and they were unfortunately not able to beat the Kansas City Chiefs last week, but they'll have plenty of rest. But I say that the Baltimore Ravens are going to beat Houston Texans in Week 2. Next, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Los Angeles Chargers. I just about said the San Diego Chargers just because I'm used to that. But anyway, I say Kansas City Chiefs are going to pull out another win in Week 2. After beating the Houston Texans in Week 1, I say they come back and beat the Chargers in Week 2. Even though the Chargers got a win last week against the Cincinnati Bengals. But I say that they have a much tougher challenge than the Kansas City Chiefs. And I just think the Chiefs are going to be one of the best teams in the NFL this year. So I'm going to predict them to beat the Chargers in Week 2. Next, we got the New England Patriots and the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday Night Football. I'm going to make a pretty bold prediction, in my opinion. This is going to be a pretty bold prediction. I say that the Seattle Seahawks are going to beat the New England Patriots. Now, to some people, this may not seem like a pretty bold prediction, but either way, I'm going to pick the Seattle Seahawks because I watched a little bit of that Patriots game versus the Dolphins last week, and I just have one thing to say. If you keep telling Cam Newton to run the football for pretty much every offensive play of the game, you are not going to win every game. They won last week barely because it was the Miami Dolphins. The Seattle Seahawks are a much tougher and more challenging team to face, and they have a really good defense. So a lot better defense than the Miami Dolphins. So I say that Seattle's defense is going to force Cam Newton to throw the ball, which he really didn't do much of in week one, and he's going to have to finally show that he's more than just a mobile quarterback and that his arm is actually back to normal because that was obviously a concern in Carolina in the last couple of years he played for the Panthers was his arm ability. So I think that Seattle's defense will provide a challenge for Cam Newton and company, and I think the Seahawks will take the victory in week two. All right, in the last game on Monday Night Football, the New Orleans Saints versus the Oakland Raiders. I don't know why they have this as a Monday night game because I say that the Saints are going to easily win against, I just said the Oakland Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders. They've changed their name so many times I can't remember what their name is half the time. But anyway, I say the Saints are going to beat the Raiders in week two. And I say that just because the Saints were really competitive against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in week one, which was a really fun game to watch, by the way, to see two of the best quarterbacks of all time and Drew Brees and Tom Brady duke it out in week one. I think that's what everybody watched. 
on Sunday afternoon. And and I would be surprised if no one at least watched a portion of that game on Sunday afternoon who's listening to to this podcast. But if you didn't, you missed a pretty good game. The Saints were able to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I think they will do the same to the Oakland Raiders in Week 2. All right, and with that, that is going to end my portion of the weekly score portion of the podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it, and I look forward to having a somewhat normal episode maybe next week. Maybe by that time I'll be feeling a little bit better. But either way, I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope I spoke in a way that you could could understand me clearly despite me being sick. And I will catch you guys in the next episode. Awesome. Thanks, Cody, for those sports stories. Welcome back to the Winget side of this podcast, y'all. Man, I cannot get over how excited I was to have football back on my television. I'm leaving football for last, though. Got some NASCAR to talk about, y'all. And what an absolute snooze fest did we have at the Richmond International Raceway. Now, when I say snooze fest... That's my opinion. All right. Some of y'all out there that enjoy good, clean racing with no wrecks at all, this was right up your alley. And, but, you know, I don't want anybody to get hurt, but I like a little competition. I like a little bumping and banging in my NASCAR. And there was almost none of that. Almost none of that at all. There were not any natural cautions in this race. Okay. Now, that will not be the same this weekend at Bristol, which, by the way, I'll be at Bristol, and I cannot wait to be at that race at the Bass Pro Shops NRA night race at Bristol Motor Speedway. But before I hype up Bristol Motor Speedway, goodness gracious, once again, this race at Richmond, I, I watched it all. I don't know why I watched it all. You could have watched about the first half and knew who was going to win because Brad Keselowski won the race. And not only, you know, he didn't make any dramatic lead there at the end. He didn't pass two or three cars with five laps to go. He led 192 laps in this race. 192 laps he led in this race. And he called a shot. He pulled a straight up Babe Ruth in this race. He said the week before the race that he would be very disappointed if him and his team did not absolutely dominate this race at Richmond International Raceway. And boy, did he back that up. I'm not the biggest Keselowski fan. I found it a little arrogant when he said that earlier in the week. But hey, you can't you can't knock on a guy when he calls a shot and he goes through with it. So Brad, if you call your shot again at Bristol, it might happen, man. I don't know, but... Um, that was the second playoff race, this race up at Bristol this weekend on Saturday night. It's the third and final race in this round of the playoffs. We're in the round of 16. It's about to cut down to 12. And after this weekend, we will have some people, some drivers, eliminated from the playoffs. Now, the way NASCAR playoffs are set up, if you win in a playoff race, you automatically go to the next round. Just like in the regular season, if you win a race, you're automatically in the first round of playoffs. So Keselowski's in, and Harvick's in, and Denny Hamlin's in by way of just having all these playoff points. He's already in. But there's a few guys, a few well-known guys that 
you know, if they don't deliver at Bristol, especially if they wreck wreck out early, this could be their end of their season or at least end of the chase towards the uh, NASCAR Cup Championship. And, and when I say that, I'm talking about Kyle Busch. For y'all that follow NASCAR, Kyle Busch has not won a race this year. He has been snake bitten big time. And I've said on this show before, I really do think that the no practice and no qualifying has hurt him the most. He His strength is in practice, going out there, driving his car, finding out the right ways to tune it, and then he just dominates on Sundays. He hasn't dominated. Now, Bristol's a track where he's done really, really good, but he's done pretty bad and sometimes too. And with it being the third and final race of this round of the playoffs, Anything can happen. There's going to be some wrecks. There's going to be some desperate drivers out there that have to win this race to make it to the round of 12. I cannot wait to be at this race. I've been to Charlotte Motor Speedway a handful of times. I went to um, the Rock, North Carolina Speedway in Rockingham when I was a kid um, at least once. And, you know, I had to had the honor to drive around Charlotte Motor Speedway a couple weeks ago. But this is my first race at Bristol. This is my first race at an out-of-state track that I'm going to, and I'm going with my buddy James. We're hyped. I got my Martin Truex Jr. shirt ready to roll. Hey, I know it's Toyota, but Bass Pro Shops and the way he drives, especially the way he, he drove at Darlington trying to get that lead and then putting Chase Elliott in the wall, I was like, okay, I might have to root for this guy. But yeah, so that's NASCAR news for this week. Let's move on to some college football. Don't go run down through some scores real quick. Um, I'll lead off with the North Carolina Tar Heels um, soundly defeating the Syracuse Orange, which they were expected to. But it wasn't a sound defeat for the whole game. It wasn't all in North Carolina's favor the entire football game. That first half was so boring, which we expected a lot of these college football and NFL games to be kind of sloppy at the beginning of especially the first quarter and maybe even into the second quarter. Because these guys have not seen live snaps. I mean, they've hit each other. They've had full-speed practices, but they have not gone uh, gone against full-speed competition until their very first games. All right? So, yeah, the first half was sloppy for the Tar Heels. Thankfully, it was a little bit sloppier for the Syracuse Orange, and, you know, they just couldn't keep up. North Carolina would force three and outs on Syracuse, and Syracuse's defense, who is not the best at the beginning anyway, um, they would force three and outs on the offense and then keep the defense out there for several minutes at a time and just wearing them out. So North Carolina won 31-6 in that contest in the ACC. Um, we had a big upset. Now, it wasn't like Appalachian State and Michigan upset, but the University of Louisiana Lafayette, the Raging Cajuns, went up to Iowa State, a Big 12 school, and beat them 31-14. to 14. The Raging Cajuns, the alma mater of the Jake DeLome. Pretty impressive as well. Clemson took care of Wake Forest. Um, that one was on national TV. Wake Forest had college game day Saturday morning. In my opinion, ESPN needs to write Wake Forest, and I owe you for that because, yeah, you had college game day in Winston-Salem, but nobody was able to be right behind you. Where was the Washington State flag? I never saw it. It might have been there, but I was also playing with my 18-month-old son, Graham, when I, was, when I had college game day on. But it felt so great to have college football on once again. I'll close out um, college football by saying this. 
Um, just going over the Notre Dame and Duke game. Yeah, Notre Dame won, which they were expected to. They're Right now, they're ranked number 10 in the country. Duke put up a good fight. I was impressed with Duke's um, de- determination to go into a stadium with fans, by the way. They had fans at this game in South Bend. And they put on a good effort. They put on a, a good show. But Notre Dame eventually just ran away with it. But I have a bone to pick with Notre Dame. And I usually do have a bone to pick with Notre Dame anyway, because for so long, they have been with the ACC in all sports but football. Okay, for y'all that follow ACC sports, which you you know me or live around here, we know what ACC is all about and all the sports. You know, ACC has been known for basketball for several years, and Clemson has really helped ACC in football the past several seasons as well getting up in the ranks of being a perennial conference in college football. But this is the first year that Notre Dame has played in the ACC in the Atlantic Coast Conference. They've never had a conference before. They've always played independent. And they have take, taken full advantage of that with having a you know exclusive TV deal with NBC, making bank off of that. And they were afraid that if they ever joined a conference, they may lose that television deal with NBC. Well, there must have been some kind of exception this year, and I don't believe Notre Dame would have been able to play football independent this year with COVID restrictions and things like that. So they joined with the rest of their sports at their school and joined the Atlantic Coast Conference in football. And I'll tell you, when I turned the game over from North Carolina game to the Notre Dame and Duke game and saw ACC on Notre Dame's jerseys, I didn't like it. I I wasn't a fan of it. I, I hadn't been a fan of them in the ACC for a long time. They There's just a certain demeanor that they carry that they're just holier than thou (laughs) no pun intended with it being Notre Dame and everything but I was listening to sports radio FNZ in Charlotte uh, while I was working I usually listen to them at least two or three times a week while I'm at work and I listened to the clubhouse with Kyle Bailey and he was reading an article from the athletic it's a writer beat writer for Notre Dame football that works for the athletic and this guy had the audacity to say, not Kyle Bailey, this writer. I can't even remember what his name is, but that's not the point in this. He had the audacity to say that when he got to the stadium and saw ACC painted on the field, ACC on the field goal post pad, ACC on some signs, and ACC on all these other things, that it made Notre Dame look like a minor league stadium. Get out of here, man. Come on. Seriously? You know... Players on your team's program, on the Notre Dame Irish, they weren't even born the last time you won a national championship. Now, this is coming from a Tar Heel fan that, you know, I don't have much room to talk, but from a sports fan in general, Notre Dame hadn't been that good, buddy. Last time you were in a national championship, remember what happened? Uh, Hello, you met Alabama. Last time you were in the playoffs, uh, that didn't work out too good as well. So don't come up in here your first year in a conference and acting like you're already better than everybody. Now, you beat Duke. Okay, big whoop. All right? I, just like Kyle Bailey said, I hope I hope Notre Dame loses every game from here on out. And I hope Clemson beats them by a million. Because if you're going to come in here and make an agreement with the ACC, and he made some kind of snoozy, um, snooty comment that, oh, I guess this is the price we were willing to pay to play football this year, to put ACC over everything. No, get out. I don't even have my soapbox. My soapbox is at Cody's house, and, you know, I'm not at Cody's house today. I'm recording 
in my guest bedroom. But that was just, that was insane. I couldn't get over that. But I just had to mention that. So, you know, if you see me on Facebook or Twitter or anything making fun of Notre Dame football for losing, that that's going to be the case. Absolutely not. You have no room to say that. You have nothing to back up that you're all, all automatically better than half the conference. I hope you lose every game from here on out. And I hope Clemson just, I, I hope they're up 50 at the end of the first quarter. But just let me stop before I get too worked up about this because <laughs> I, I have to laugh stuff off like that that I really shouldn't let bother me because in all it has nothing to do with me and it's just sports and it's price just said to get a rise out of people and I'll raise my hand guilty it got a rise out of me let's move on to some NFL recaps from week one I'm just going to start out with the Carolina Panthers they lost to the Las Vegas Raiders 34 to 30 and I will tell you right now I have never come out of a Panthers loss encouraged until yesterday now I've already told myself that I'm going to have low expectations for this year. Not that I think we're going to lose every single game. I do not think the Carolina Panthers are going to go 0-16 this year. So don't ever think that I'm thinking that. But I came in with low expectations to just see what this team is all about. Just like college football, no preseason, no normal offseason at all. Okay, This was our first look at the new Carolina Panthers. Over half of their roster is brand new. Completely new coaching staff. All right, so I was curious to see. Just let's just sit back, um, clap, be happy with good things. Expect the struggles, expect the weaknesses to show, and let's just watch football. And all we got football on TV. Let's just enjoy that at the very least, right? I wasn't too disappointed in the Carolina Panthers on Sunday. There were a few little bonehead mistakes that messed their chances up of winning that game. A couple of them came from a new linebacker, Tahir Whitehead, who had two defensive pass interference calls. One, I was like, okay, he, you know, that happens all the time where you kind of hooked Renfro from the side. The second one that was on a third and eight when we had the lead in the fourth quarter, it was an incomplete pass. He did not need to interfere with the guy because the ball was going to get batted down anyway. And that penalty gave the Las Vegas Raiders a first down and they went on, and another rushing touchdown was scored to make the lead 34-30. to The big controversy was at the end of the game when the Panthers had the ball on fourth and inches, fourth and one, something like that, fourth and short, let's just say that. And instead of giving the ball to Christian McCaffrey, who was getting three-yard run, four-yard run, three-yard run, five-yard run on that drive, they handed it to their fullback, Alex Arma. Now, we knew, based off the depth chart, seeing Alex Armour listed as fullback, that we will see some fullback sets this year with the Carolina Panthers. You know, we hadn't really seen much of that since Mike Tolbert left and went on to another team. But, you know, it surprised me just like it surprised everybody else that it gave they, um, they decided to give Arma the ball. This I'm not knocking on Arma at all. That was not a bad play call. I'll say that right now. That was not a bad play call. That was a bad execution of that play call. The offensive line, that that's on them. Okay, They should have pushed. They didn't have that far to go. Um, the tight ends should have kept the defensive ends out of that play. Push them towards the sidelines, if anything. All right, Push them away from the play. 
but they got pushed inside and it had to, and interfered with the hole that Arma was trying to fit through and the Panthers got stopped short. Now they got a chance with like eight seconds left in the game to just throw it downfield and it didn't work out. But I wasn't entirely disappointed in this Panthers loss. I, I, I turned the game off encouraged because I was like, okay, I, I see that they are, they are what everybody thought they were and definitely need some help in the defensive back. That's going to struggle. But let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. I wasn't upset with them at all. Um, the Chiefs on Thursday night showed real quick that they had a pretty good chance of being back-to-back Super Bowl champs. Now, I know this is only week one. There's going to be some overreactions and you know some very bold things. But, wow, the Chiefs, they, they, they look like they, they hadn't missed a beat at all. Um, Eagles blew a 17 to nothing lead and lost to the Washington football team. Eagles are banged up though. Eagles offensive line was banged up and that showed when Carson Wentz was sacked eight, eight times, I believe. Cam Newton made his debut debut with the, um, New England Patriots and they beat the Dolphins 21 to 11. I saw the game breaks and highlights and it, I, I admit it, it, it was cool to see Cam Newton in the end zone again. Um, Packers whooped on the Vikings. The Vikings scored a, a garbage time touchdown to make the score look a little bit closer than it was, but the Packers put up 43 on the Minnesota Vikings. The Jaguars shocked everybody and actually tried to win a football game, and they did. They beat the Indianapolis Colts, and I believe Gardner Minshew had three passing touchdowns, tying his career high. And the uh, Baltimore Ravens beat the Browns. So we know that nature is healing and things are getting back together because guess what? The Browns are still terrible but that's a good recap for week one let's move on to week two and go through some predictions oh i'm i'm actually looking at the schedule on the nfl app on my ipad and the big headline is the madden simulation for Bengals versus browns oh boy can't wait to not watch that (laughs) hold on this is even a, a simulation on madden 20 so even the nfl knows that madden 21 it it ain't good chief it's not a good game but let's let's look at some matchups for this week. And I'll go ahead and give my picks as I'm going down the line. Um, since I have the Panthers set as my favorite team on this app, that's the first one. Panthers versus Bucks. I'm sorry, Carolina. I hope you proved me wrong, but I'm going with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in that matchup. I went 12-4 and four last week in my matchups. Um, I'm not sure how Cody fared out considering, you know, we're um, not recording together today. But hopefully next week we'll get back together and see who's in the lead and whatnot. Thursday night we got the Bengals and the Browns. Um, I want to say that game might even end in a tie. But I do think the Cleveland Browns may turn this one back around and win this one just because of the inexperience on the Cincinnati Bengals. Okay, uh, They showed last week that they still have a lot of, a lot of um, room to improve. Uh, missing that field goal was a heartbreaker. It was cool to see Joe Burrow score the way he did for the first time, but I'm going to pick the Browns in that matchup. Then we got the Giants and the Bears. I'm going to go Chicago. Jaguars, Titans. I'm picking the Titans. Broncos and Steelers in Pittsburgh. Definitely going to go with the Steelers in that. The Broncos disappointed me. I, I thought they would they would play a little bit better than they did last night um, against Tennessee, but one of their running backs, Phillip Lindsay, did go out with an injury. Um, next one, I have the Rams and the Eagles. The Rams really impressed me. I, I picked with Cody last week and said I was just picking the Rams just to go against his pick on the Cowboys. 
But I, I was impressed. Now, was it because the Rams played good or the Cowboys played that bad? We will find out in the coming weeks. But I think the Rams take advantage of a banged-up Eagles O-line just like the Washington football team did. And the Rams win that game. And we got the 49ers at the Jets. 49ers were surprised of how well Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins are already a tandem duo in the NFL. Hopkins had 14 or 15 receptions for over 150 yards, which is crazy. But I do believe the 49ers bounce back and beat the Jets because it's the Jets. Got the Bills and Dolphins. I'm going to go Buffalo. Got the Vikings and the Colts. I'm going to go, ooh, that's an interesting matchup. I'm going to go Colts in that one. The Colts were disappointed in their loss against the Jaguars. And the Vikings, I mean, they just got gassed. Their defense got gassed in that week one matchup against the Packers. I'm going to pick Colts to see see if Phillip Rivers can, can string together a win. Let's see. Got the Lions and the Packers. Going Packers. Falcons at Cowboys. Going Cowboys. The Washington football team versus Arizona Cardinals. Definitely going to keep riding the Cardinals train because if, you know, if Hopkins and Kyle Murray keep it up, watch out for real. Um, we have Sunday night, no, excuse me, Sunday afternoon game at the 425 slot. We have the Ravens and the Texans. That's going to be a good matchup. But the way the Ravens just handled the Browns and the way the Texans showed that they don't have many weapons this year, I'm going to pick the Ravens. Chiefs and Chargers going Chiefs. Patriots and Seahawks on a Sunday night. That's going to be an interesting matchup. Cam Newton versus Russell Wilson. I'm going to give Russell Wilson the edge on that when Seahawks beat the Patriots. And then on Monday night, we have the home debut of the Las Vegas Raiders going up against the New Orleans Saints. If this was a game with fans, the Raiders might have an edge, but I believe the New Orleans Saints squeak this one out as well. But those are my picks. I'm going to try to remember them and uh, keep keep score of them. But y'all play along with us. We'll check in on y'all in a couple weeks and see how y'all are doing as well. But that's our show. Y'all have a great rest of your week. Um, reach, reach out to us on social media. You can find it in the show notes below. And we got some more football to watch this weekend. And I got a NASCAR race to go to. It's going to be an awesome weekend. Y'all take it easy. God loves you. Bye.